<laughs> Whoops. We're back. Um, one of the verses that's often taken out of context is um, controversial. It's like, for example, out of First uh, Timothy, where uh, it says that uh, women shouldn't speak at a, a gathering, you know? And if you read that only in that context, you'd think, holy cow, like God hates women. He's a woman hater. But you have to read the fuller context of everything that's happening to get a better understanding of what actually is meant. Historical context is important, but also literary. And what I mean by literary is the type of literature, right? Some of these uh, books, there are different literature in the Bible. There is uh, something we call uh, historical narrative, like the book of Genesis. It's a story, right? And you are meant to read it as a story. You're not meant to read it as, for example, a letter. Paul, the Apostle Paul, in the New Testament, wrote a lot of letters to churches. And it was, these letters were him being a pastor to them. Well, you don't read necessarily the book of Genesis the same way as you would read, for example, the book of Romans. Because Genesis is, is a story giving you explanation of what was occurring. Whereas book of Romans is giving a very clear um, uh, in, instruction on how to live as Christians. But also, one of the key things is we often fail to recognize our assumptions and prejudices. Okay? We all assume things and we all are prejudiced against certain things because of our culture, because of the way we grew up. And if, uh, for example, and I chose Philemon on purpose. Because Philemon is a letter from Paul, and he wrote it to, to Philemon, but not only Philemon, he wrote it to a group of people. And so much of this letter is about slavery, right? Philemon was a slaveholder, and he had a slave named Onesimus. Now, if we don't understand our cultural prejudices, we, we will look and read that letter through, through 2022 glasses and, and just be enraged at, at the attitude that can be picked up. Hi. Hi. We're, we're talking about the Bible. Yes. <laughs> and so what's important is to go into Bible study understanding in advance, okay, I'm looking at this in a certain way. And it doesn't mean that I'm right. I need to better understand how the original people and who received this letter or who heard this word, how did they would how would they view it? What was their cultural norms? What was going on historically then? And then the last one I was just going to talk about is the authority of the Bible. The Bible, uh, we believe concretely, is is the word of God and therefore um, it is authoritative that means um, the God of the Bible has the right to tell me, to tell us how we're supposed to live you know, 
And that sometimes rubs us, really rubs us the wrong way. Like, who is, who is this Christian people who are talking about this word going to tell me how I'm going to live? I can choose what I want. But if we're going to follow and obey God, then he has made clear what life is meant to look like because he designed it. So, and that clarity is written in God's word. Okay, we're cruising through this. Two ways, two typical ways to study the Bible. Okay? We call them deductive and inductive. Okay? Uh, Let's hope that I can make this distinction clear for you. Okay? So, a deductive way to study the Bible is when you open the Bible and you come to the Bible already with an idea about something, okay? Uh, you, op- you come to the say, okay, I'm going to be preaching that God is love. And so you open the Bible, and you try to find all of the verses that describe that God is love. Or God is against... Um, God is against drunkenness or drinking. Say, God is against drinking alcohol. Okay, it's actually not in the scriptures. Very clearly, God's against drunkenness. So, okay, God's against drinking alcohol, and then you find every verse that's going to support your thesis or your idea about this thing. That's the deductive way of doing the scripture. You selectively choose the text or the passage, the verses that fit your own preconceived ideas. And instead of Scripture speaking about something, you you are dictating how Scripture is speaking, right? You're saying, well, because these verses say this, that's what the Bible is saying about this theme. Instead of taking the whole of Scripture, the big context about it. And, yeah, you basically understand... You've already drawn your conclusions, and that's enough. Uh, Yeah. So you could, uh, I included those last two. If you read Jeremiah 11, 14, and 14, 11, and you just read those verses, you you could walk away going, yeah, God doesn't want us to pray for people. Because there's a section in there that says very clearly, don't pray for these people. I guess God doesn't want us to pray for people. But that's a very uh, uh, clear example of deductive Bible reading and taking something very clearly out of context. Um, there was one I, I found, um, I think it's in like Philippians, the beginning of Philipp- Philippians chapter 2, uh, where it says like, God hates dogs. Or something in that. Like, it was taught, speaking badly about dogs. And if you read just that verse, you would say, oh, God hates dogs. But, of course, God doesn't hate dogs. It's out of context. But what, we're, what I'm trying to get across and, and get you guys to practice is to become better listeners and hearers about what the Scripture is actually saying. Right? Um, to examine, to really examine the scriptures, and to take things in context, 
and let your the things that you conclude, um, let them. Uh, I use the word evolve. I know some people have problems with that word, but let it develop out of the things that you've seen in the scripture. We're going to talk a, a lot about what you observe, and part of this is is training to notice things as you read them, and my favorite thing, ask questions. Ask questions. If you were to look in, in my own Bible, um, I read and then sometimes I'm like, I have no idea. So I circle it and then I write a question mark and then I come back to it. I have to do some thinking, go through things. Asking questions is how you learn stuff. And of course, we're trying to be impartial. Knowing full well, okay, we have these cultural, historical glasses on our, on our face. We've got to try to look at this as impartially as we can so that we take it for what it actually is saying. That's why I chose let the Bible say, uh, speak for itself. And then we're paying, of course, the literature context and historical context. And I guess I should say this. Um, if you have a thought or something, you want to ask me something, just feel free to interrupt. That's okay. Alright, so these are the three very key words. This is the whole inductive Bible study process. Okay? So if you walk away with anything uh, that you can memorize, memorize OIA. Observation, Interpretation, Application. That's the whole process that what I'm trying going to try to help you guys learn. Okay. Um, so if you were, okay, we'll do a little tiny exercise. I got to pay attention to time. Okay. Um, can can I borrow you? Yes. Okay. Uh, you, you can just sit there. Okay. From where you're at. I want you to tell me your name. I'm Jacob. Jacob. I want you guys to observe Jacob. Okay, we're not going to say anything. What are, what are things that you observe about Jacob? Okay, I'm going to just give you 20 seconds to stare at Jacob. Okay, sorry if this makes you uncomfortable. Okay, I want you to observe at him. Okay, study him a little bit. What are things that you notice about Jacob? Okay. Does anybody want to say? So what's some? You can start. What's something you notice about Jacob? Interesting cap. An interesting yeah, cap. Hebrew letters, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Good detail there. Hebrew letters on the cap. Okay. I don't know what it means, but I can recognize the Hebrew. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? What did you notice about Jacob? Yes, the clothes. Just as close. Red t-shirt. Red t-shirt. Black shoes. Yeah. He's a male. He's a male. Yeah. Anybody else? What did you notice about Jacob? Big eyebrows or like defined? Defined eyebrows. <laughs> it's a, it's a good okay. Yeah. Anybody else? What What did you notice about Jacob? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I noticed he's got um. Uh, like a little mark on his right ear, right here. Yeah. We could sit and 
look at Jacob, we could stare at this guy for hours. That's just the kind of guy he is. But there's so much, there's so many details there. We could just look at him straight away and say, uh, he's a man wearing red shirt, blue hat, and be finished in shorts. But that wouldn't tell us uh, clear details. That's when we start noticing, ah, uh, he does have pronounced eyebrows. He's got a little, little detail here on his ear. Okay, he's wearing a watch. You know, he's got very short hair. And the more details that you start to include, ah, uh, the picture starts to really develop, and you start to see more and more. That's what this process is about. Is that if you just read Philemon, right? Right here. Reading Philemon would take you all maybe five minutes. I think actually probably goes faster. And you could just read it and you would get a general picture. And that's a good thing. But the longer you, and the more time that you slow down and you start to observe how the letter was written, maybe the structure of the letter, maybe the words that they use in the letter, then the details start coming out. And that's important. Okay? We forego conclusions about what, what the text is meaning. That's something we don't do. We don't start off and say, what, what does this text mean? Like, what does this mean to me today? We don't do that. In the beginning, we're just simply trying to analyze what it's saying. And there will be some techniques or questions that we'll look for here. Okay? So, in observation, right, we don't ask what it means, we don't draw our conclusions, and we're not right away comparing with other books of the Bible. What we're doing is, what is this text saying? What's happening? Are there com any comparisons? Um, one thing that's not written there, what are the locations mentioned? Where was this happening? And then you ask the question, you ask, like, basically you can put five W's. Do you guys know the five W's? Who, what, when, where, and not why yet. Not why yet. Because why, why questions are what connect us to interpretation. Why is what leads us to the interpreting what's happening. Okay. Here are a list of observation examples. Um, if you want to write, you can. If you want a copy of this, you just have to, in the end, maybe give me your email, and I could give this to you. Um, but look for one of the things you're observing. Look for repeated words that are repeated. Because often, the, it was a technique that they did. They repeated things because... They wanted people to recognize, hey, this is important, right? So they would say it again and again. Repeat words, ideas, or themes. Of course, we talked about the who. Who are the people in this, right? Oh, there's a whole list of people. Well, why would they include a list of people? Ah, 
He's addressing a church, maybe, or church leaders. Um, one of the things, are there commands or is there advice given? Okay. Um, can you pick up a certain mood? Is there a certain attitude that you would get from the letter? Right? Paul often, um, if you read, for example, in Corinthians, right? He's writing to a church that they were struggling with some big problems at the Corinthian church. They were a very young church. And so um, he spoke to them, and you read it. He actually uses these words. I'm choosing to speak to you like a father, right? Because he, he needed to address a serious problem, but he didn't want to discourage them, right? And so he addressed them as a, uh, as a dad would. Um, yeah, I can give you these, this list, but a really great one, the five W's. That's going to give you a very good start on recognizing more of the details that are in there. Um, pay attention, the number 10 here, pay attention to what kind of literature it is. Okay? Is it a, a, a narrative? Are they telling a story? Or is it the Gospels? The Gospels, those are, that's good news about Jesus. That's the first four books of the New Testament. Or are they epistle? That's um, just another word for a letter. Um, parables? That's Wurzbroke. Uh, okay? So these are just some basic things you can do that's going to help you understand details that are in the text. Okay. Which leads us to I. Observation, interpretation, application. What we are not doing at this stage is we are not asking what the text means to us. Okay? We are not there yet. We are actually rather in trying to ask the question, what did this text mean to the people who heard this? Right? That's how you're going to end up getting a good interpretation. And most of the Bible, the, the people didn't read the scriptures. Right? They, most of these books of the Bible... Most of the people, they heard them, right? The first church, Paul was writing all of these letters. And he and people would help him would read it, but then they would read it to the whole group. So people were, were, hear, were hearers of the word. Again, do your best to try to step back from your own personal worldview that's shaped by your culture and your experiences. Lay your... Preconceived ideas aside and try to look at it as best as you can on how would these early people of that time frame, um, how would they look at this text? Right? And I put glasses there just to remind us we're all looking at the scriptures through our own glasses. Yeah. Okay. Um. Asking why questions will bridge from observation to interpretation. Why did the author write this? What was the purpose of writing this particular letter? And each book that's in, in the Bible has a very specific purpose. They were, the author, who was um, inspired by the Holy Spirit, 
was trying to accomplish a very specific thing by that book of the Bible. Um, how, how did these original hearers the word, how did they view it? What effect would they have on it? And then also, do you, do you see any parallels with any other books? Which interesting, you know, in, uh, if you go into the New Testament, many of the things that Paul was writing to, say, the, the, the church in um, Corinth, to the Corinthians, he would have to deal with the same similar sort of things with, say, the church in Ephesus. Because they were brand new believers. And he was writing often these letters to brand new believers, and brand new believers often struggle with similar things. So, yeah. Again, we're not there yet. Go and ask what it means for you personally, okay? Or what it means today in this context. Ask, focus on the historical context, which will then <coughs> eventually lead to the application stage. Um, have you guys ever heard the phrase, um, context is king? Have you heard that phrase before? Cash is king. <laughs> yeah, that I've heard too. Well, in this context, context is king. And it's really about not taking things out of context. And a general rule, for example, like when somebody, um, somebody often in, in vineyard, you will have this, will somebody say, hey, you know what, Daniel, I have been praying for you. And, you know, I just thought of uh, Romans 12.1. I just think that God wants you to have that verse, you know? I say, thank you. And I look it up, you know? But what's important is, okay, what was that verse in context, okay? And one of the contexts is that you would say the immediate context. So one of the things when I look up a specific verse I will always look at the, about the verses right above it and right below it because it fits into a bigger thing. And then I'm thinking, okay, how does this verse fit into the bigger section and then maybe the book or even the whole Bible, right? If, um, well, I'll give you an example. There's a, a young woman I knew. Um, in my country, we've just had this big issue where our Supreme Court um, overturned um, abortion. Uh, the, what was ruled as abortion was a constitutional right. And they said, no, it's something that needs to be decided by states. And then the, this young woman that I know, um, she's not a Christian, um, she was really, really angry. And then she shared a document online which was, uh, it was a, uh, a document supporting abortion from a Christian perspective. And uh, I started reading it and I was actually quite shocked. And I just thought, oh. they, and they used one random verse um, out of the book of, I think it was Deuteronomy, that was their big thing like, yeah, see, this God's all about abortion. He's totally supporting it. And I just thought, oh, no, you have to look within the whole Bible, whole thing, to get the full context of what God views on a particular theme. And that was just a, a reminder to me, like, 
context is so incredibly important when we're trying to figure out what they meant by something. Look at the whole of the Bible. And that means, oi, this is going to take some time. Especially if we're new to the Bible, well, we're going to have to take some time and actually look at the whole of the Bible. Which leads us to this. Application. All of the Bible study and the Bible reading we do is meant to be applied to our life. Right? We're not about getting big brains. We're about getting obedient lives. Right? That's the point. We want to speak God's love language. And those who obey His commands are the ones that love Him. And so we got to figure out how we take something that was written thousands of years ago and one of the words that I'm going to use often in this process with you guys is the phrase timeless truth. Something that was true thousands of years ago and is still true today. Right? That God is love is a timeless truth. It was true back then. It's still true today. And the, the scriptures are full of timeless truths. And when I went to uh, spend months in Hawaii and uh, started this process, one of the things that uh, our teachers did, um, he said, you're absolutely not allowed to go and read any... Do you guys know what... Um, Biblical or Bible commentaries are, yeah. Said so you're absolutely not allowed to read any Bible commentaries. I was like, what the heck? What, why not? Who cares? But his point was, this process—it's a treasure hunt. You guys get to go on your own treasure hunt. And there are so many of these timeless truths. They're just absolute treasures. And it, there are things that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you about the character of God. That if you just... Bible commentaries are just books of other people's treasure hunts that they've went on themselves. And the point, whole point of this is that God wants to lead us on these treasure hunts and find about the gold that's in the Word. It's amazing. So... So, questions asked, okay? Um, what are some basic timeless truths that are in a particular book or passage? And then how do those timeless truths apply to my life? Um, is, are there anything in my life where I'm out of alignment? Where is God maybe showing you these things because you need to start applying these things to your life that you're not and then how, how do I carry this out? For example, God says, love, my, love your enemies. And then the Holy Spirit, if he's speaking this to you, will show somebody in your life who is just the worst. And then, oh, guess what? I'm supposed to love those people. And then one of the questions that you can ask the Holy Spirit, okay, God, you've said I'm supposed to love my enemies. This person in my life is the worst. I know I'm supposed to love them. God, 
how do you want me to love them? And guess what? If you're trying to be obedient and you're willing to ask God that question, He absolutely will put some creative idea in your mind. He will show you. And then you commit all of these things to the Lord in prayer. Okay. I think we've done enough sort of just general talking. I think you guys get an idea of the process. Let's talk specifically. Let's talk specifics. This is what I want you guys to do. I hope that you'll do it. Okay? This is the process. Okay? On your own time, or we can do it together. Okay? We'll start it together. We're going to read the book of Philemon. Okay? I've written it down for you. And so that we can sort of share this together, we'll, we'll read it in English. Okay? And we're just going to read it from start to finish. Okay? Uh, one of the things that we always did is that I always, and I, I, I'm a teacher, so I teach my little kids to do this too. Kids, when we're reading the scriptures, we invite the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's our teacher, we're inviting the Holy Spirit to show us and teach us stuff. So we read it, and then you're going to read it a second time. Okay? We're on number two now. And we're going to create what we call paragraph titles. Okay? On this page, okay, you will notice that they're on uh, each one of these little sections starts with a different number. And these are room for the paragraphs. And so verses 1, 2, and 3 fit in that box. Okay? And that's a paragraph. And then the next section is... Verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. And that's a paragraph. And you'll see that when you read Philemon. And what I want you to do is that I want you to create a title for each one of these paragraphs. Now this mm, title has to summarize what's being said in that paragraph. It's just a a summary. But, here's where it gets tricky. Um, I'm going to challenge you to only use words that are found in the text. Okay? So you can't drag in extra words from somewhere else. Only words that are found in that text. They don't have to be in order. They don't have to be grammatically correct. Just words found in that title. Okay? So, let's just practice, okay? We'll read, we'll pray, we'll read, and then I'll help you with your first uh, paragraph title. Okay? Does anybody, would anybody like to pray? Would you like to pray? Of course. All right. Tatiana, thank you Lord for being here and letting us come together in this way again after such a long time. We just invite you here to teach us out of this book of your of the Bible and mm. show each of us what you want us to have and mm. to bring from this summer. Yeah, God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay. Alright. Um, would somebody like to read? Okay. I can read. Okay. Um, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, 
and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in our house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet, for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you. He's sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of you owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. And confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me. For I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark and Aristarchus, Damas, and Luke, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. All right, so we've read through Philemon. Did you guys get any um, impressions straight away from the first read? What's, what would you, if you were just to put a word to it, how would you put the word towards the tone? What's the tone of the letter? Loving and respectful. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, uh, an old, old man who is uh, being respectful to somebody he, he, who's been a partner with him. Mm. All right, so let's try to come up with the paragraph title. Okay, we'll read the first paragraph, the first three verses. Okay, and then um, I'm going to have you guys. I'm not going to tell you what the paragraph title is because you guys are all going to come with your own paragraph title. Okay, 
But we're going to read the first paragraph, and then you're going to choose four words out of that paragraph that would help you summarize what's being said. Does that make sense? All right. Um, was it Jakob? Yes. Yeah? Do you mind reading the first three? Is it okay? Yeah. Yeah? Read the first three verses. Um, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your, in our, your house, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. So choose four words. I'm going to give you like... I'm going to give you two minutes, three minutes. Actually, you know what? We're okay. Three minutes. I'll put a timer on. And uh, choose four words that you think you could use as a title and that would summarize um, that. And then what you're going to do is that title, you're going to write right beside the one in that first box. Okay? Do you have a pencil like in both? Here you go. 